Hi, this is Todd Rogers, the King of Video Games, and you're listening to Arcade Radio. All right, I'm going to put us on the air, which means everything you're saying is going to be live. Um, so- oh, sorry. <laughs> Get it out now. All right. <laughs> it's okay to curse. Adam likes to censor. Yeah, yeah he loves curse. it. Okay, we're uh, streaming now. Oh. 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 Yeah. Hello. Yeah, we're a minute late, actually. So that's all right. First time for everything. <laughs> Literally, I cannot believe that you have started this thing on time this many times. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Well, we we had we did have one other show where we were like significantly like like three minutes late. Oh my god, that's 180 yeah. seconds. I know. <laughs> Is the chat filling up? Oh yeah! Look I, at that. Just go, I don't go, see the go. Stream link yet? I just keep hitting refresh until it shows up. It says live now. I'm, I'm clicking on it. Yeah, I have a theory that Google caches pages when they see me logged in. And then... <laughs> God, I'm switching to night mode. That's what she said. <laughs> That's what they have. They have a night mode. Have you done it? I have done it. I mean, gamers love night mode. Nobody Your in the chat likes yet. night mode. You know, it's kind of probably going to be a pretty dead in the chat tonight, which is unfortunate because, you know, it's Friday night. Right, because all people who like video games go out on Friday and party hardy. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Oh, Dave from Buffalo says evening. We have somebody in the chat. Dave, Dave I did post uh, a teaser on Clav. Oh, cool. Hello, Dave. All right, let's, let's, uh, everybody places. Ready? Mm, ready to rock no, this show? Yet. Okay, I'm going no, I'm I'm to mute you. No. no. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to talk over the audio. Yeah, you think so? No. <laughs> Mark, if he mutes me, talk over his show. I'm going to, I'm going to mute all of you. And then we'll introduce the guest. I'm going to mute your mom. Yes, I have over 60 consoles, like, like I said, ranging from the Pong to the Wing, and uh, probably about five to 6,000 games. It's, I lose count. I, I haven't inventoried recently, but yeah, quite a, quite a plethora of games. From KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Arcade Radio.
episode 16 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Friday, May 26, 2017, and the time is now approximately 8.15 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Wild Bill Hickok. I'm joined by the legendary Dan Reed of Dan Reed Photo and super genius Mark Time Runner Shields, and this week's guest of the Arcade Radio Podcast, Mr. Todd Rogers, a.k.a. Toddzilla. Welcome to the show. Greetings and salutations. It's good to have you on. It's great to be on. It's a gamer's program. It's perfect. <laughs> I love that intro, Adam. When, uh, when do you record those? <laughs> Which one? Like just now, when we heard that intro, I mean, uh, maybe to the people that are new to the show, they may not realize that everything up until Welcome to the Show is a, is a recording, but <laughs> you, I'm just curious how many times us, you have to do that this, before you... Is this a making of episode? All of a sudden, we're going to tell everybody our secrets? Our secrets! <laughs> you know, You've done it actually, live, too. <laughs> there's actually an alternative music intro that... Uh, was created by Adam here, and I really like that a lot too. We should maybe switch that up. Maybe well, we'll I've do it for a second heard, season. What do you think? I heard that Berserk and Sinistar in the back. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I love the Sinistar. I've actually Ironically, got... I have that for my ringtone when people call us as Intruder Alert. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I have a whole bunch of songs that I've created over the years, but there's one that uh, I created that actually has a bunch of 2600 clips in it, and I think that's the one that Dan's talking about. It's kind of techno-y. Yeah. I love it. We should we should play that someday. Yeah, I can play, share the wealth. I can well, I could probably play a clip. Oh my gosh! Just treat everybody right now. Go ahead and do it. It's like Christmas. All right, I got to find my Mad Tracks album here. Mad Tracks by Matarax. Yeah. Oh boy, I think it's called Ratchet Up. So let's. Uh, That's it. That was it. We were driving around in your car, and I heard it. Now, yeah. Like, let's see what this sounds like here. All right. Can you hear it okay? Not really, but people get the idea. See, this one got a lot of, a lot of intro beats to it. So that you can like, talk about stuff. Yeah. And now, on the Arcade Radio Podcast, it's Todd Rogers. With hosts Dan Reed and Mark Shields. <laughs> all right, turn it down. That was our lucky individual who, who names all those video games in, in the background thing can have a special day with Todd at their house. <laughs> really? Right. Thanks for the gratuitous. Uh, thank you for letting me have my gratuitous Groot gratu- gratu- moment. Uh, I yeah, am Groot. Oh, you're fired. I am Groot. <laughs> I'm Groot. <laughs> Has anyone seen that movie yet? Oh, yes. That's not the first one, not the second one. Oh, the first one was so good, but I haven't, I've heard really good things about the second one. I just haven't seen it yet. It's great. It's got five uh, little, vi- you know, vignettes at the end of the film. Yeah. It's so good. Sweet. Didn't the first one have Howard the Duck at the end of it? It did. Yeah. Oh, I remember Howard, the Howard was the like, Duck. What the hell is that? Howard the Duck does make an appearance. Ooh. Oh, nice. I think I just did something weird to my computers. So anyway, uh, this is the part of the show where we usually talk about what we're working on. Hey, Dan, you have a surprise. Find an upcoming rest story. I do. It's kind of an odd little story. I was up helping my mother-in-law 
move out of her house and we we're ripping. Wait a minute. You're married. Uh, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, <laughs> and we were ripping down sheetrock in her garage and lo and behold, there's this crazy little machine up there. I rip it down in the sheetrock. Uh, huh? Inside the sheetrock. No, it was up in the attic. Oh, yeah, so I pulled this thing down. It's a perfectly stored, nothing wrong with it, pachinko machine. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, it's just old and kind of nasty, needs to be cleaned up, but uh, I'm going to do a little restore on the thing. I love it. Awesome. I, have- I don't know anything about pachinko, and it took me forever. Does it have the ashtray? It has the ashtray. It's complete. It even has this little wooden box. Sweet. Uh, instead of these little plastic boxes. So I get back, and I start doing all this research. It turns out it's a super rare one, which is... I don't know. I mean, it's kind of cool. I don't really Sell care it. one way or the other. But um, there's, of course, obviously, there's websites dedicated to these things. So you can get, like, restored faces and parts and all kinds of things. So Schweet. I'm going to do a restore video on it. Schweet, feet. That's it. Now, uh, I want to get to the meat and potatoes of this here with uh, Mr. Mark Shields. <laughs> Mark Shields. Best pickup ever. And we're not talking about a woman? <laughs> No, because I am also married. Oh. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Until this show. <laughs> Actually, I had two good pickups since our last talk. I I um, I got a, what's it called? Oh, it, it's a driving game right now, but it used to be Dildo. Satan's Hollow. <laughs> <laughs> no dildos were inside. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> And um, it, it's called Overdrive. Actually, it's a terrible, terrible game. Um, it's just—I mean, basically, they shoved a steering wheel on top of a Satan's Hollow, painted the sides black. I—I oh, um, I got that game for I think fifty dollars. Oh, are you going to put it back to a Satan's Hollow or what? Absolutely. Yes, I've already figured out all the things I need to go do. Do they remake the uh, little plastic pieces in the joystick, the Tron joystick, for that thing? Somebody does repro those. I mean, I know somewhere I can get a Tron repro joystick because I'm also restoring a Tron. Yeah, but it's blue. Right. You need yeah, a red I know, one. but I figure that if they have the molds to do that, they have the molds to do this. <clears throat> yeah, but the, the coloring is difficult. So I haven't seen a repro one, but tell me if you find it. Also, you won't find the plastics. You're going to you're gonna have to get used ones. No, no there's, a, there's a guy that makes, uh, he has the original, original um, joystick molds for Tron, and he makes them. No, I'm talking about the plastics, the the over and under plastics for the scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So those Phoenix makes them for Tron, and they look gorgeous. But nobody makes them for Satan's Hollow. Are you guys a fan of that game? Honestly, I actually don't like like it. Two Satan's Hollows, and I'm like, nah. No, I find it very boring. It doesn't look very fun, but it looks cool. I mean, yeah, when you put it next to a Tron, it looks really cool. Todd, do you like uh, uh, Satan's Hollow? Do we lose I do. Yeah, you, I've gotten over a million points on Satan's Hollow. It's a very, very on the edge game. What do you mean by on the edge? Um, it's never a dull moment. The game just, uh, you know, you have to be alert and very uh, aggressive when you play it. <clears throat> See, I always thought of it as kind of like a Space Invaders clone or like a, you know, I mean, it's a little more advanced and that you have stuff flying down at you and whatnot. So, but I, I just, I don't, I guess. Does it get more interesting after you get past the first couple of waves, or does it get more intense then? I mean, obviously well, it has to, but it levels you up. You just so you know how, how to have to work your shield with your firing, so it works hand-in-hand, hand, so your shield never depletes. Okay. 
Hmm. So then it becomes a marathon. Yeah, pretty much. Once you get the hang of it, of, of the uh, the timing with everything, you, you know, that's the key to, to how to play it. Dude, that game is hard. A million points is ridiculous. It is. Holy cow. Oh, no, no, no. I watched some guy that was up in New Jersey. He had like two, two and a half or more than that. Oh, wow. God. So, Mark, what else did you get? So, my second get, which was massive, it was a, a four machines, $200 each, three allegedly not working and one working. Uh, three Williams machines, a Stargate, a Joust, and a Sinistar. <sighs> yes. Huh. And... And the and dildo. Uh, the fourth machine is a Nintendo. Uh, it's a Popeye, but it's a red Nintendo cabinet, and it's one of those cabinets where the the sides kind of bulge out like kind of like a tempest. It used to be a Nintendo Hellifire cabinet. Yeah, but I saw a picture of that thing. At first, I thought it was you know the coveted red. And then I thought, why would anyone turn that into a Popeye? And also, the shape of the cabinet's different. It's just got a straight edge, um, right? So it doesn't it doesn't look anything like a Popeye or a Donkey Kong. What well, are you gonna do with it? I I think it might be kind of a trade bait thing. I mean, uh, I mean I'm gonna bring good it inside and give it to somebody that's gonna really, you know, love on it super hard. There's some lunatic out there that's got the uh, original board who's just chomping at the bit for that cabinet. I bet I did look up the game play for that Heli Fire and. Um, it's actually kind of cool. It's a little submarine that shoots at uh, planes, helicopters. So, oh, really? It's kind of like air sea battle, but you're just like the submarine. So it's an early. It's this is pre Donkey Kong. I I take it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Subscan. Probably subscan. Well, it's called the hell. What's it called Heli Fire? Heli Fire. I didn't even know. Oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So, but it's. It's pretty cool looking. I mean, if you could find the board set and all the original stuff, it would be so cool to put it back. But I, yeah, I don't know. That would be quite a challenge. But you know, and the other thing is, is you already have a Popeye, right, Mark? I do. Yeah, yeah Adam. I mean, uh, Dan actually went with. Oh, jeez! Did you just confuse me with Dan? No, I. Uh, well, <laughs> think about it. Adam and Dan—they're very similar. <laughs> <laughs> he was giving me crap before the show because I accidentally called Dan Mark. Uh, yeah, well, that was. Yeah. I mean, those are totally <laughs> like, not even the same. And he's like, "Did you just confuse me with Dan?" <laughs> Let's just call everybody Dan on the show for the rest of the show. Oh my, that'd God. be really confusing. Okay, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So that's all I was doing and stuff. That's oh, it? by the way, I fixed all three Williams games yesterday. It was awesome. That's cool. Ooh, uh, yeah, that's awesome. So Brian Armitage has a Sinistar. It doesn't. The sound doesn't work right. But wah 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 wah. Yours does. I love that game. There's I your uh, gratuitous, gratuitous that? Paradise Arcade Shop shout out already. Awesome. Yeah, we did. So you're gonna say something about Sinistar, Mark? Mine works. Sorry, Todd. Do you like I the mean, game? Right. It, that is actually one of my favorite games. Uh, Super Super Pac-Man and Sinistar are the sort of in the top three. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, that's so, a good find. That Sinistar cab looks great. Sweet. Todd, what do you it's, think of Sinistar? Crazy. I hunger. <laughs> that's oh, actually yeah. really good. Do that again. <laughs> I hunger. Run, coward. <laughs> Run, run, run. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's, I am Sinistar. It's the only game that ever like scared the bejesus out of me. I know, and I played it at the Circle Kid just down the street from here, and so it's really cool <laughs> to have one again. 
But you know what so much as Super Pac-Man? That's one of my favorites as well. I have four distinct patterns that I use, and every Apple board is an, every, is an Apple board. Every every board thereafter, is, you know, it goes in groups of threes. You do your three three patterns, you do your bonus screen, and then three patterns, bonus yeah. screen. Yeah, I love that game too. Um, I'm still looking for a Super Pac-Man here in Minnesota. There was one that went up, but it was too much money. Oh, God, I wish you would have told me. There was one right down the road for 350 bucks. That's mm-hmm. what I paid for mine. Well, oh, you, really? Was it? Uh, it was a you didn't get it in Minnesota, though, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. If you yeah, find another one, let me know it, Dan. Oh my God, I got mine from a barbecue place. It was the worst barbecue ever. Oh yeah. Do you think? Do we have that conversation on your Probably episode? Probably in the past. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. So I suppose I should talk about what I've been working on. Uh, I, I heard that there's been some changes to your arcade. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Adam? <laughs> I so want to just swear. Over and over and over again right now. <sighs> so go on. We got a dog, a puppy, last year, right around this time. And I didn't want the dog, but we got the dog, and now I love the dog. But the <clears throat> you know, we had three cats at the time. One one passed away. And then we changed the litter for the cats. And then the oldest cat that's still alive decides she's fed up and started marking the basement. So where my 20 games are down in the basement, she started marking underneath the pinball in the carpet on the wall. So I, last week, hired Zero Res, a carpet cleaning company, to come out and... Backwards or forwards, it's spelled the same. Zero Res. Exactly. <laughs> Is that true? Yes. Backwards or forwards, it's spelled the same. Zero Res. That's their, their shtick. Um, so anyway, they come out. They do their thing, and the next morning it actually smelled worse because whatever they used, it activated the the other urine spots that we couldn't see. <laughs> so yeah, it's called it's called ammonia. Yeah, it's called disgusting. So um, I said, okay, well, let's, we got to take out that section of carpet. Actually, I didn't say that. My um, my fiance did. And so she's like, we got to pull that stuff out. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. She's just pulled out. We'll paint underneath the pinball machines. We'll be fine for a while, and then we can replace it when we, you know, when we can't. So I pull up the carpet, and it just, each section I pulled, you would see another stain that was further and further away. And Oh, my God. How long has this been going on? I don't know. But eventually, well, the carpet also is 12 years old and had other stains from all of my massive parties. So Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> so anyway, I... I um, ended up last Sunday because Christine had her arm operated on a couple of weeks ago. Um, I ended up pulling all that carpet myself and ripping it out. And the whole basement is bare right now. We're painting with kills and I uh, spent $2,200 on flooring today. And I am having next week uh, an installer come out and do the, the work. So, Dude, Home Depot will come out and do it for free. No, they don't. They charge a dollar ninety nine a square foot. And no, I, they don't. They have a special going on right now. Anything you buy, stairs, everything. Free. I have a coupon. Nope. There's I, a coop. Nope. I was just there. Dollar ninety nine a square foot for what I'm putting in. Some oh. some things like carpet, they might do that, but they they subcontract all that, so you got to. Well, what are you doing? Put in like hardwood or something? No, I'm putting in uh, vinyl flooring. So and, do all your games smell like cat piss? Because every game that you had that was worth like a thousand dollars is now worth like two hundred dollars if it smells like cat piss. Just no. FYI. No, and it, luckily it was just under the pinball machine, so it wasn't like on them or anything. And I wiped them all down when I moved them. So, 
Good. But yeah, so everything's safe and she hasn't been going to that same area since we painted and things are getting better. But next Wednesday, I will have an entire new vinyl floor with, uh, it looks like reclaimed wood. So it's like stamped. It's really cool. It's Fun. just, it's going to look beautiful when it's done, but it's, it's a hellion kitten and a terrible, terrible thing to have to do. I, I'm just I'm exhausted. So this weekend's going to be more fun-filled, moving machines around, painting the rest of the floor, prepping it for the installers. And then the day after he comes, I'm having an egress window put in one of the bedrooms, too. So Good Lord. Sweet. Don't call me if you need any help. Yeah, no. Well, you know, I have a similar story with, uh, with cat piss, you know. Well, go, go ahead. Go on. My, my, when my cat was alive, uh, he was getting stressed out from the cat outside. Now, mind you, my cat doesn't didn't go outside when he was alive. Right. And he was a 26-pound cat. It wasn't like he was no small runt of a cat. Yeah. When he would get mad, he'd run and bang the window and snort like a pig. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I had I had two laptops in the uh, on the floor that I would utilize for one for gaming, one for programming. And um he decided to pee on a $5,000 Asus. Oh. So, yeah, I thought, okay, no big deal. He just spritzed it, and it wouldn't be too awful bad until I turned it sideways, and it just leaked out. I was like, oh, God. Like, did you pour a cup in the damn thing? I mean, oh. so, yeah, yeah, it was fried. Uh, I mean, I could save the hard drive, but the actual computer itself, yeah, it was bad. I yeah, so I, mean, you know, I, I had made the comment, well, why couldn't you pee on a Sony Vio? <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Like, like, oh, no. like weeks later on, I'm like, oh, so, so yeah, I was without a, a laptop for a while because I didn't know which one to, to, to replace the Aces with because everything else is like, yeah, you know. Let that be a lesson to you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Dave, I posted that in the chat for you, so you can check it out. The flooring, that is the the um, not the P. Who are you talking to? Who's Dave? Dave Buffalo. So there's this thing Black. called Black. the Internet, Dan, and huh? we are on it. So the, the guy who has the the cat pee in the basement. Do you have a black light, Adam? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what you can do is you can plug the black light in, and it'll show you everywhere the cat peed. Yeah, yeah. do it. We I'm were out. Gonna, we were going to do that. Um, Don't do it. But it doesn't matter because the carpet's <laughs> totally pulled out now. So. Yeah, but I'm saying if it's soaked into the cement, you'll you'll have an idea of why you can't get rid of certain smells before oh, you put new flooring down. Oh, we're get we're painting the entire floor with kills. Are you you're killsing the whole place? Yep, the nice. entire floor. Yep. 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 So it's just good prep, and we won't have to worry about any of the other. Because that, that floor is from 1968, so it's had its share of water issues over the years. There's been different glues and different, you know, so it's just, it'll be one color now, and it'll be all sealed and ready to go. Oh, yeah. So Todd, are you, uh, are you, I, I know you're working on something related to video games, uh, maybe even a dragster record or something like that. What? Go on. A dragster record? Well, you have the record. You have the record. Yeah. Yeah. For 35 years or so, something like that. Sweet. You have a number. Well, my initial, my initial, uh, record was in December 1st, uh, my birthday, quaintly, uh, 1980. Subsequently for two years thereafter, I whittled my score down to a 5.51. 
Yeah, we should talk about that in a little bit when we get into the interview. So you were kind of working on another, on a, on recording a new score or the same score right now. Well, I, I'm I'm at this point I'm because of the subject matter. I don't know if I want to just play it at the house and video record me playing it. Sure. I, I think I might just do it at a live event again, so this way people can actually see that you know uh, anything below a five sixty one uh, could be done uh, quite easily. Sure. Cool. Well, um, I don't know. What, we got anything going on here? Let's maybe we should. Um, what do you guys think? Should we move on with the rest of the show here for for you know? Let's, let's do it. All right. All right. Uh, I want to talk about cats a little bit more. So. Oh, okay. I want to right. talk about this thing on my it's foot. The negative news with Dan Reed. Thing is, oh, you're a oh, it's it's horrid. I can't imagine people are using it, but whatever. What's <laughs> that do? <laughs> and now, even more gameplay with Galaga or Galaga, however you play the game. <laughs> oh, you guys suck. Uh, All right, it's the check negative in. Negative news with Dan Reed. Yes, yes. <laughs> Such a <laughs> bag. I, I don't have much to say. I got to tell you, I've been. I, I recorded that the time that you got sick and you weren't on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to play it that night. I I wasn't sick. I was on the show when I was sick, wasn't I? Oh, yeah. You were on the show, but then there was yeah, a week was where in, you were off. I was in the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. So, but it didn't, <laughs> you were not. <laughs> I was. That's where I was. Sweet. Well, that we missed you. And so I recorded that as a joke. But then when you came back on, I don't know if you, maybe that was it. You were sick or something. And, and I didn't want to do it because you, were, you weren't feeling well or something. <laughs> oh, no. I Believe me. I can dish it out and I can take it. So. <laughs> I like that. I like the negative news better. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I really like your original bumper better, but I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> give you so I, I'm going to give you some uh, some cue music, and we talk a little bit about the news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's your go ahead. All right. Not much to report on. We're going to make it go by real fast. We can get to the Todd Rogers interview. But Tekken is currently one of the only arcade games left of its type. And um, what? It's been around. I was just looking at the CNET article here. It just came up. And they were just talking about how amazing it is that it's been the only arcade game that's actually survived. And they were discussing how it actually survived. And they were saying something like the... The reason why is Street Fighter took a bunch of time off and all these other games took 10 years off, but um, Tekken has been going since its inception. You know, it's great. Think about that. I don't even love... I just don't like fighting games. Not, yeah, what's the, I don't understand the... I mean, I guess it, they're okay, but aren't they kind of all the same for the past I, 10 I, years? I like Karate Champ. It's... um. You know, but I too slow. I, I think you've like, got to be a millennial to like your fighting games. <laughs> well, there's six buttons and it gets a little complicated, and I just I've never really been a fan. Which sort of led into um, this other article about how modern games like Doodle Jump and Crossy Road and Tumbleweed they're all really emulating all of the classic arcade games. Like Tumbleweed is a direct ripoff of ice cold beer. Doodle jump is similar to Qbert. Crossy road is pretty much identical to Frogger. Yeah. Uh, Pac-Man's made a comeback. 
I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd actually put that. Crossy Road more in like the camp of say um, Freeway for the twenty six hundred. Yeah, but that was kind of a rip off Frogger, right? Oh, sure. Probably. Yeah, they're both they are, but you know, at least with Frogger you can move left, right, and I guess you can with Crossy Road too. Have you played that? Yeah, I put well, my my daughter is huge into it on the iPad, but the arcade version's really different. There's an arcade version of Crossy Road. Oh, yeah, it's so yeah, they big. Have it, they have it at Dave and Buster's, dude. Really? Right, it's right next to Doodle Jump. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I what else do they have? Oh, they have like a Ghostbusters game. They brought back huh. a, a Galaga. They have a brand new Galaga game. Wow. Yeah. Don't you ever go to Dave and Buster's? I haven't been. To, guy. Come on. I have not been to Dave and Buster's in like two years. Yeah. So I don't know how I feel about that. I I guess it's good in a certain way. Like Crossy Road is is fantastic. It's a fantastic port, more or less, of Frogger. Yeah, I mean, well, it's and it's different, right? And on, I played on the Amazon Fire Stick. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's cool because you like there's all these different characters you can play, and it changes the mate the the look of the and feel of the playfield so right right there's like a pac-man 256 actually you can choose the pac-man character and it turns it into a 256 pac-man themed thing you know yep it's and it's, then you need other characters and then you can do secret things to unlock other characters i mean it's pretty cool it's actually pretty entertaining yeah actually i really want to try the the clone of uh ice cold beer i think that'd be fun that tumbleweed it looks different yeah i don't i don't know what about you mark have you played any of them of course. Um, I don't really know which one I like the best. I kind of like the the big super, the big Pac-Man one that um, the arcade party. Is it is it Pac-Man's arcade party? No. Oh, the, you're the, talking the like the vertical one that's like a it's like on a, a giant display. Yeah. Now and, I I want to get that and like convert it into a real Pac-Man game because right now it's like a a vend or a, a redemption machine. Yeah, you know, you can get displays like that. For, uh, CES is a is a great place to uh, meet up with Japanese companies that you would never talk to in real life. <laughs> and what's funny is that when you go, have you ever been to CES? I actually invented a company just to go to CES. And <laughs> sounds like you. All of the American exactly. companies have like you know amazing displays and then wrappers talking about whatever the product is. And then as the further back you go, eventually you get to the Chinese and the Japanese sections. And I swear every display looks exactly the same. It's white text on blue and it's somebody that looks pissed off and they don't want to be there. (laughs) And then, you know, they have their product, but it may not be running because they really don't know, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm not from this. So I don't really know. Uh, wrong, yes. po- wrong power cord is what you're saying. All their Correct. TVs are off because uh, they forgot about the conversion. That's right. I mean, the most memorable thing about when I went to CES was we were at a, a cool hotel, and then like some prostitute came up and talked to us as if we were like able to like afford her. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and we were like, uh, "You're going to need to leave." <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Todd, what do you think? Have you, have you played any of these modern kind of remakes, and what are your thoughts on it? Do you think that if you've done Crossy Road or are you are you at all into? Uh, yeah, I mean they have them on Apple TV. I, I have Crossy Road on Apple TV. Love it. I think the originals are originals for a reason. Yeah, those Todd questions. Sorry, Todd, go for it. Well, I'm just saying. You know, sometimes a lot of remakes uh, aren't as as in depth or as entertaining as the original 
the original game itself. And I was getting a humor out of you saying you made a fictitious company because back in 1984, I went to the electronic show and my friend Jeff had made a, uh, a fictitious company called Speaker Mod. And uh, <laughs> he was able to get in. Really, well, it was not open to the public back then. So, you know, I got passes for all my friends. And um, I guess he wanted to play Big Shot or something and get a company all his own. But it was rather humorous. But um, back to your question about the games. I don't know. I think it would be nice if they they took the original idea and they took it to the next level, um, meaning extrapolate on the actual gameplay and made it more fun and more um, like, like Robotron, for instance. You know, the game is so simplistic, anybody can play it, but it's so hard that the average gamer won't last past five minutes when they play the game. Right. Have you uh, have you d- played at all any of the modern games? Have you gone to Dave and Buster's lately? Do you do anything like that at all, or are you just totally focused on the uh, vintage retro kind of scene? Oh no, no, no. I, I do a variety. I mean, I do the apps on the on the uh, the Samsung and the the iPhones or whatever. But uh, primarily, what I've been focusing on is retro stuff for charity events at at uh, gaming events. So oh, neat. Yeah. So for me to to go to like a Dave and Buster's would be like a a weekend thing when you have no nothing else better to do. Sure. No, I mean, no, no pun to Dave and Buster's that's saying it's a boring place or you really use it as a last resort. I'm just saying that, you know, it's not like a weekly thing. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I kind of, uh, I'm kind of starting to dig Dave and Buster's. When it first came in, I was, I was kind of down on it a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I'm you not don't really say. redemption games or whatever, but you know, it's actually a pretty good setup. You can go down there, have a beer. It's, uh, it's about as close as you're going to find to, you well, know, they um, they actually to me were the first um, wide range barcade. Yeah, exactly. Because you know they had a couple of classic games, which were remakes. Usually, they have at the one in Maple Grove. They have Daytona, the original Daytona. Oh yeah, my God! They have uh, they have a what is it? The thirtieth anniversary Pac Man. Yeah, like the old retro one. They have that sitting in the one in Southdale. In yeah, Indiana. here that here that Daytona. If you guys go up to to Fun Spot in Wears Beach, Laconia, New Hampshire area, and they had like uh, six Daytona USA's, and hear that for eight hours over and over and over and over. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it is a little annoying when the the track is going out of control, but that is a really fun game. I think so I still absolutely I still love the original Daytona. It's just perfect. Yeah. And then and the Daytona three that's out now or just came out is supposed to be very faithful to the original. So I haven't had a chance to see if anybody has it anywhere yet. They uh, they had a new game too. Have you guys seen that Star Wars Battle Pod? Yeah, but that that's been out for like over a year now. It's been out no since no 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 no. They have another game based on that uh, design. So it's it's a oh. Battle Pod. You can tell yes. they just really. Oh no no no! no. It's called Star Wars Battle Todd. <laughs> Battle Todd. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's it for the arcade news. Back in '82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the cave with with. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Hey, getting that DeLorean so that we can go back to May 26, 1977, exactly 40 years from today. Todd was in eighth grade. Do you remember that? Uh, <laughs> do you remember that summer, Todd? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, let me give you some information about things that happened on that particular day. Star Wars was released that day 40 years ago. Yeah, uh, Star Wars Day was actually yesterday. What? What are you talking about? They released Star Wars 
May 26, 1977. That's the 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was at the number one position for the box office for several weeks. Occasionally, another movie would come along, displace it, and then it would go back to number one. That happened a whole bunch of times. I like it when you say displace. Displaced it. (laughs) I think The Deep actually displaced it first. Have you ever seen The Deep? Mm -hmm. No. With Jacqueline Bissett? No. Oh yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> there was some Star Wars t-shirt apparently. action going on. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and the sequel would be called The Shallow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The not so deep. Deeper. The not so deep. Or deeper. I like deeper. <laughs> Deepest. <laughs> the only part of the deep I can remember is when that one guy takes a breath out of the uh, oxygen and then smiles, and I'm like. I, I, that's all I can remember. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I don't okay. remember it. I don't I don't know it at all. All right. Of course, Atari released a Star Wars vector game using Amplifone and W6100s. Years later. Years later. Mm-hmm. I played the shit out of that game when you I was a kid. You know what? The first Star Wars arcade, or first Star Wars game was actually made for the 2600. Before it... Uh, yeah, became the uh, the the game in the arcade. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Are you not talking about that one Empire Strikes Back one, right? Yeah, I am. What happened there? I'm sorry, that was my fault. That Empire Strikes Back game is pretty good because the uh, the adats are very well rendered. I mean, it's a very well realized game, and it's funny that Atari made it because it has a lot of uh, callbacks to the way Activision made games, where like in Pitfall, where you're going through and yeah, that's Parker you know, Brothers, right? No, Activision. Activision. No, Empire Strikes Back is Parker Brothers. Oh yeah, the Atari. Oh yes, you're you're right. Yeah, and it was 1982, a year before mm-hmm. Star Wars was made for the arcades. Beautiful, sweet, huh? Yeah, your... man. Let's talk about the top five songs in the U.S. Ooh, on yeah. May 26th, 1977. This is this is where we. Um, we need some interaction from Todd to see if he loves this stuff. Yes, yeah, so Todd, you're going to have to give us a thumbs up and thumbs down on any of these songs. Okay. Don't feel bad if they're all thumbs down. <laughs> oh, no, I won't. I'll be merciless. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So the, the number five song was Gotta Give It Up by Marvin Gaye. Part one. Part one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a thumbs up. I, I, can, I can give it to that. Yeah, me too. This, Yep. The song was purported to be uh, the basis of Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, I never noticed that. And they sued him. Uh, the the, gay, the Marvin Gaye estate sued Robin Thicke and company. Um, did they win? They Farrell did. was the producer, right, Mark? They did win. Yes, Good. they did win. Don't steal I mean, Marvin Gaye's stuff, man. I mean, That's wrong. They even admit that it was inspired. I mean, there's... But the problem with it is that they heard the song and they were inspired and they made a variation on it. It was very close. It's hard. It's hard to, I, I agree. This is one of the more, it's not like they did what, you know, vanilla ice did. Ghostbusters. You know, no, no, no villain. But vanilla ice didn't agree that that track was lifted. No, he didn't. There's actually an interview. He's like, no, ours is way different. It goes, din, 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 din. Oh, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, he's crazy. I think he's mentally ill. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but he has number, a really good show on HGTV. I got to check that out. Yeah. Uh, the number four song, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. This is one of my all-time favorite songs. 
Yeah, it's like, one, uh, it's like one of those songs like you want to drive your car with your eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait a minute. And so God for a flat tire, you know? <laughs> That's great. It was a Rumors album, right? I love that album. <laughs> it That's is. classic. That song contains the lyrics, uh, Marky the Arcade Games, Words of Wisdom's Play of Wisdom. Players only love you when they're playing. Here you go. Damn, I love that you had that queued up. Uh Okay, uh, the number three song on May 26, 1977, I'm Your Boogeyman slash Wrap Your Arms Around Me by Casey and the Sunshine Band. But this one, I don't know. I'm thinking like Area 51. Not area 51. Pinball with this yeah, Studio 51. Probably wear my bell bottoms, bring them out of retirement to, to jam to that song. I'm your boogeyman. Yeah, that's a cool tune. I like it. It is pretty rocking. I mean, discoing. Exactly. And the number two song was "When I Need You" by Leo Sayer. Oh yeah. Oh no. So much love. Oh no, the intro. It's so here sad. we go. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, the video is so terrible. He's wearing a hockey jersey. No way. Yeah. Yeah. He looks okay. like a. I'm, I'm putting in the chat it's right like now. Skinny. S- looks <laughs> <laughs> like a skinny silent Bob. Oh man. Okay, we got to talk about something really fast. This just. I'm sorry. I hit my 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 speakers on mute, so I couldn't hear the phone. This is terrible. You were like. Just kidding. <laughs> so have you guys, have any of you seen the video for, uh, it's Donnie Iris, Alia? Oh my God. It, I play that, I, I, the Alia song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember lifting weights at, a, at a, a gym when that song came out. Oh my God. I love the song to death, but if you ever want to just die a thousand deaths, watch the video. <laughs> it's worse than Billy Squire's Rock really? Night. Oh, oh, I love that song. I love yeah, well, that song. That, that video ruined Billy Squire's career, so <laughs> just FYI. Really? Oh, come on. Do you think so? Yeah, Is so it Talia, I said, hey, they named a song after you. <laughs> That's a great song, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Terrible. Terrible video. <laughs> oh, Terrible. Gosh. Hey, so also on May 26, 1977, the number one song, Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. Oh, Stevie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are those real horns? They don't sound like it. They're trumpets. Probably uh, McFerrin back there. <laughs> if trumpets didn't exist, neither would this song. Music is a world this is a good track. Nice. Yeah, pass out the alligator clamps. <laughs> there you go. When I was in marching band, they made us march to this like 500 times. Are you kidding? I am not. That's it's old. Like, hey, you know, I used to I used to broadcast in 1980, and that's when I got my FCC license. Back then, there were seven words you couldn't say, and you had to have 80 hours of broadcasting to get your your broadcasting license. And I remember one time specifically, I had a um, a poll between Led Zeppelin and ACDC. And I had some guy call the radio station. It was the it was W A R G eighty eight point nine FM stereo in Summit, Illinois. <laughs> but anyways, if you want to request, just call in four five eight nine two seven four or four five eight W A R G. But anyway, this guy calls oh. the radio station. And wow, I like to to hear some Dw- some Dwight Yoakam. I'm like, 
Who the hell is Dwight Yoko? <laughs> what the hell is I got to do at ACDC and Led Zeppelin, you know? <laughs> uh, we should have you do the bumper for the call-in. Oh, that's funny. We should. 612-548-GAME. We have a voicemail. You got to say that, you know, call call Arcade Radio at 612-548-GAME. So. Call Arcade Radio at 612-458-GAME. Yeah. See, that's great. Okay. Record that. I'm going. I did. We just did. <laughs> so let me go through my three little bullets here for arcade news on that date. Game program Marco Corbetta, who everyone knows, who? he turned forty to uh, yesterday. That was um, he, he's best best known for his programming work on Far Cry and Crisis franchises. He was the lead programmer for those. Have you ever played Far Cry and Crisis? I think I've played Crisis. Far Cry, I played on the PC, and it's um, it was way ahead of its time as far as graphical capability and whatnot for a first-person shooter. It's a fantastic game. Plus, it has an awesome uh, single-player playthrough. It must be cool to say, yeah, I was born in the day Star Wars was released. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, that date, the first, well, in May, the first vector graphics arcade game ever produced was uh, Space Wars. It was... Is based on the 1962 PDP-1 program Space War. Oddly, it was named this without foreknowledge that the film Star Wars would be such a huge success. That's interesting. That's kind of cool. Um, what else? Oh, the first Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater opened in May 1977. Nice. Really? Yes. The concept authored by Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell, who, as we all know, is credited with bringing video games such as Pong to the mainstream. Yeah. Wait, what? Nolan Bushnell had something to do with Chuck E. Cheese coming he, into this world? Yes, he, he actually came up is. With the concept. He's the guy that came up with the concept. I had no idea. Yeah, and then yeah. Ryan, I mean, that kept him actually employed long after Atari went under. But then that went under too. Well, it, no, they still have Chuck E. Cheese's around here. Yeah, that's because Showbiz Pizza bought them out. You mean it went to Australia? <laughs> Show, Showbiz Pizza bought out Chuck E. Cheese. Um, and then they rebranded all the showbiz pizzas to Chuck E. Cheese because that brand had a stronger presence than showbiz did. And how does Celebrity Station fit into the equation? I don't know. How does it? I don't know. It's a similar themed, uh, you know, venue. Oh, yeah. No. We actually had uh, Circus Circus. Uh, well, we call them Circus Circus, but it was Circus Pizza. And they used some of the same characters um, from showbiz. They rented those out from Rockefeller. Um, cause that was all Aaron Fector who owns that. He still owns exclusively the rock fire band. What's his name? Aaron Fector. No relation Aaron. to Aaron Spector. No. Aaron Fector. Yeah. Aaron Fector. <laughs> yeah. Yip, 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 but yeah, we, wow. I, we we did that on a different episode. You can listen to the one with um, uh, Joe Lease, and we go over that whole story. Nice. Hey, I think Todd should do the the call in to the six one two five four eight game again. We get because this will play nicely. Todd, roll, give us a bumper again. Leave a voicemail at six one two four five eight game. Pretty close. Five four eight game. That'll do. Yeah, he did it right the first time. But that gets right into this. Yes, I have over 60 copies. Whoa, that's not what we wanted to do. Let's try that again. Wow. Stage Hello, Arcade Ratio Mathlete team. Uh, this is your uh, calculator-obsessed buddy, Bob's architect. Bob. You, you've got to say, uh, I'm really impressed that your guest 
is professional beach volleyball player Todd Rogers. I just can't believe it. <laughs> I can tell uh, uh, the number of times I've watched beach volleyball on one hand myself. Uh, I'd just like to ask Todd, uh, what what does he wear on the beach? Is it like trunks <laughs> or board shorts or speedos? He don't yeah, wear yeah. nothing. Yeah. I'll, I'll hang up now and listen. Zarzadek out. <laughs> he, he lets the balls dunk. <laughs> Bob Zarzadek leaves us a voice message every time we do a show lately. I don't know why. So weird. He's super funny. So you, you, you uh, you're just uh, you like um, beach all, volleyball? Al natural. This is my sidekick, Bubba J. <laughs> you, you never get confused for that guy, other Todd Rogers, do you? <laughs> No, no, I got a hundred pounds on the guy. <laughs> I don't. Go. I, I get confused with the Ron Jeremy thing all the time. Oh, very oh. nice. Better, better. Yeah, but you, you're way younger than that dude. Uh, yeah, I think so. I he's don't like, know. A, what's he like, fifty, sixty something? He's looking pretty bad these days. Well, I suppose you know. You that look, you look awesome compared. He's to always looked that good. <laughs> Ron Jeremy is 64 years old. I actually saw um, Ron Jeremy and Brad Pitt meet each other. Oh, oh that's odd. It was <laughs> awesome. Meet, meet each other? Not yeah. <laughs> well, they, is that a verb? <laughs> <laughs> we were in a, a section of, uh, of a... Uh, Do they connect? <laughs> I remember Ron Jeremy comes up and says, Hey, I'm Ron Jeremy. And Brad Pitt's like, Oh, yeah, I know who you are, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's time to move on to our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. And now, welcome to the show, Mr. Todd Rogers, a.k.a. Toddzilla. Yeah! Let's... Hello, here I am. Yes. <laughs> so, Todd, tell us a little bit about um, just tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? I grew up on the southwest side of Chicago in a town called Bridgeview. Like any kid or any other individual growing up, uh, I did the unusual things. I liked uh, nature. I liked spiders, so I didn't have very many friends growing up. So people thought I was weird. I had to find my niche in growing up in school because I didn't do sports. I wasn't a geek. I, w- I wasn't one of them people who integrated to a lot of things. So, you know, it was it was different. I mean, you in the southwest side of Chicago, if you did things wrong back then, you know, you got your butt beat, you know? <laughs> I was wondering, because you have a bit of a Midwestern accent versus a Floridian, if you will. So Yeah, I know. I was born in Chicago. Awesome. <laughs> and what kind of drove you to um, check out arcades, besides the fact there were video games there? Uh, my er- One of my earliest memories of playing arcade games is my dad. Uh, he was a World War II vet, and I guess the Blue Angels were in town at the Great Lakes Naval Air Base, which is the northern side of Chicago. And I remember playing uh, a game called Dotson 280 Zap. <laughs> I just sold one of those. No joke. Yeah, yeah, it was rather interesting. And I made a high score on it, and you, I won 50 bucks or something like that. And I'm like, wow, this is really damn cool. You know, I can win money uh, for playing video games. Yeah, and that 
that scoring system was weird. Very low numbers. Basically a night driver knockoff, and a bunch of those came out at about the same time. But that's a great game. Love it. So um, what was your next game that you went after? Uh, man, that's really hard. I, I, there were so many of them that came out in the, the late 70s. Uh, Just give us a highlight of some of the ones that you remember being super fun. I remember playing Defender and having that a great challenge because of the button configuration, that and like Missile Command. So I, I, I really wouldn't play those a lot because they would make my hands hurt. Oh, yeah. Um, I liked Gorf because at that time when Gorf came out, I was into weightlifting. So I could, you know, when you hit the button like in Tron or Satan's Hollow, you can flex your tricep so you can lure the people the females and say "Ooh, look at his arms or whatever you know one of those kind of things. <laughs> i like that it's like hitting the trigger going oh check this out oh <laughs> oh and the best part is like when what used to really annoy me back in the day is like you'd be playing a game and someone would slap their tokens down meaning like they're the next in line and they would bring their date with in a game like gyrus i can marathon the game so the, the, the guy would, would like be waiting and tapping his feet and whatever, and he would take his tokens up, walk around the game room, come back, slap his tokens down. I'd still be on the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> so to be a total douche, I would sit there and I would uh, the top. I think it. I think it retains either six or, or nine uh, spots. So I would, and it takes like forty-five minutes to get a million points. So I would crash <laughs> right before a million. We get nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety. Or nine hundred nine, whatever the ending is, the maximum amount of points you can get, and I'd make the whole board either say God or Todd. So it means if you came into the game and wanted to play Gyrus to impress somebody, you wouldn't even get on the board. <laughs> so a lot of us got exposure to learning a little bit about Todd Rogers on the documentaries King of Kong and Chasing Ghosts. You're in a couple other ones also. Um, you were clearly depicted in a fashion that painted you as not um, only one of the oddest characters in the film, but in my opinion, one of the most interesting. So what was your experience um, in doing those documentaries, understanding that you have a lot to talk about here, and uh, how do you compare what they did with what your real life was like? Well, I, I think there's a fun factor in all the documentaries that I did. I mean, when we were filming The King of Kong, they had nine hours of footage of me. But in the movie, I'm only in it for 58 seconds. <laughs> so the movie evolved, and with the producers and developers who were filming the movie, um, they wanted to capture a certain theme behind it. And I think along the lines, when they would ask, you know, you had the chasing ghost people say, hey, what is the King of Kong people doing? Or the King of Kong people saying, hey, what the chasing ghost people are doing? I was under NDAs by both companies, and I said, well, if you ask me a question that's similar to the other one's question, I'll just say move on to a different question, because I didn't want... <laughs> Both documentaries being stale. Right. But it appeared to me after watching The King of Kong that uh, somewhere along the lines, the, the, the tempo of the movie changed to make it Bill Mitchell versus Steve on the Donkey Kong platform. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if it was originally going to be that, I would have just said, nah, just leave me out. I have no interest in, I'm not a Donkey Kong player. I mean, I'm, I'm in the mid 500,000s. That's a, you know, 600,000 range, which is nothing compared to the millions that they're cranking out today. Right. Um, but if you watch the documentary and the way they position Steve Weeby's character, he wears a lot of bland shirts like grays and whites and light blues. So he's him and Brian Koo. So they're able to switch different filming edits to make the viewer think that certain things had happened chronologically when they didn't. 
Yeah. Now, me, on the other hand, I wear these colorful shirts. I wear these bold kind of tank tops and these flowery Hawaiian shirts that are different every day. So it was more difficult for them to seed me into uh, the movie uh, to make it look like everything was done in a, in a certain manner. As a matter of fact, there's one specific one scene where I'm, I'm, I'm shown walking into the back room congratulating uh, Steve Wiebe on his performance. Uh, and they allude to, like, I'm congratulating him. But what really was happening was is the Gorf machine that I was playing, the screen was scrolling sideways. And I went into the back room to get a hold of the mechanic and say, hey, man, you got to fix the, the Gorf machine. Well, in the duration of that, Steve was in there. I introduced myself and said, hi, I'm Todd Rogers, the king of video games. It's nice to meet and then on the right-hand side behind the machine was Randy Lawton, which you couldn't see. Then there's a part in the movie where they're discussing what appears to be Donkey Kong scores, like 712, 708, and Steve Sanders on the phone talking about high scores. Oh, oh yeah. But it's not relevant to Donkey Kong because when you see Steve Steve Weeby playing, there's no three or four 700,000-point games. What he was really talking about is the camaraderie he had between Steve Sanders and Donald Hayes on Joust. Oh, okay. So it, it's a little deceiving. When you watch it, you think it's one thing, and then it's another. Like with the the, the restaurant scene where where Billy comes to the restaurant, it makes it look like he gives the impression he never comes in. Well, in fact, he did. I took pictures. The camera people that were there were telling me to turn my cameras off. I says, "There's nothing here that says I cannot use my camera." Unlike the arcade, where when you walked into the arcade when they were shooting, you had very visible signs up saying "No outside cameras," "No, no this," "No that," and the other, and you actually signed uh, releases to to be able to participate in what they were filming so i have a question for you regarding that i guess and we've met quite a few and interviewed quite a few people from king of kong but i've never really asked this what did you think you were getting into when uh you showed up on set did you have any idea did they prep you or well, uh, by their general repertoire of questions, I mean, it I mean, filming me my whole flight from from Tampa, uh, Florida to to New Hampshire. They ask specific questions when they were at the the location. They ask specific questions, always pertaining to what was gaming like years ago. What is it compared to today? What were the highlights of gaming from years ago? What celebrities I played against? It was pretty much. To me, sounded like they were they were prepping themselves for a documentary on gamers who were prolific back years ago to what it's like nowadays, where how you can make money. And then, like I said, somewhere along the lines, the tempo of the questions changed. I know you had Brian Koo walking around; he was miked. I he was talking to me and, and, and just talking general general topic. And then all of a sudden, I realized I'm thinking, wait a minute, he's probably still miked up from before. And I asked him, I says, Brian, are you, are you still miked? He goes, well, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I go, man, open your shirt. Do you get this like black line behind your your lapel? And it, is that the lap of mic? The lap of mic? Whatever those mini mics that they had. And sure enough, he had the mic. I said, I ain't gonna tell, talk to you anymore because you're sniffing around for information for for the uh, the producers. Yeah, you know. And I didn't like that at all. I'm thinking you're being trained. You're, you're walking around. You're, you're getting sound bites for them. If you're gonna be a stooge, really, I mean, come on, you're a gamer. Well, and it's interesting because uh, Brian has a similar feeling about the producers. Like they, he feels like he was tricked. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, how could you not realize that if you're walking around still mic'd and well, like for instance, here you go. I, I, I we were filming. Have you watched the, the documentary Nintendo Quest? Not yet, but it's on my list. 
Okay. Well, there was a certain when I flew into to to Houston, it was like 110 degrees. It was really really hot, and I had to change my clothes. If you notice, I, I I'm wearing one set of clothes when I get off the plane, then I'm wearing a t-shirt. Well, it was I was sweating to death, and we went to we went to a flea market in Houston to do some filming. And I says, look, man, I, I've been on the plane. I'm, I, I have to use the bathroom. So I'm in the bathroom, and then I realize, ah, oh, shit, the f- I'm, I'm mic'd up. So whoever, <laughs> whoever has the headphones on is hearing me piss, you know? It's nice. like, oh. So, yeah, yeah, when I came out, I said, oh, great, great sound bite for your, your audio lady. I says, oh, <laughs> so whatever. So, I mean, you have to be conscious of things like that. And I can understand someone forgetting or somebody being... Um, you know, distracted or whatever, but I, I still think some people did it intentionally mm. because you know I, I can't answer for Brian. He's a he's an individual that you, you scratch your head with all the time when you look at them. <laughs> we uh, we had the opportunity, Dan and I, to meet him a few weeks ago when. Um, uh, I guess it's been a couple months now, but Billy Mitchell was in town at the Mall of America and played um, Pac-Man on my Pac-Man machine at the Mall of America uh, to demonstrate nice. some of the tips and Last tricks. Last time I was at that event was in 2002. Oh, you were out at the mall? Yeah, we were at the, the Celebration of Light or something. I forget, K- KSTP News was out there filming. Oh. And we were right behind the, the platform that's behind the elevator by the by the roller coaster part. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's the same. Rotunda. It's the rotunda. Yeah. And all I kept thinking is, oh, God, you have all these different chairs out there and all these different arcade games, and people are four floors up throwing gum and spitting on you. <laughs> yeah, I'll stay closer to the main stage so nobody can reach me. <laughs> yeah, so oh, we, I didn't know you could spit on people. <laughs> so, so back to your, 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 your uh, documentary um, analysis, I have a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Christina Frankenfield, and she was in the movie uh, Sin City. She's the judge that pounds the gavel. Oh, okay. She had actually seen the ch- the Chasing Ghosts uh, preview in Austin, Texas, before I saw it. And you know, from a from an insider, from somebody who's in the movie industry, um, she said, "Oh my God, oh my God, they made you all look like a bunch of yuck ups. They really went all out to make you guys look bad." And she says, "When it came to your spot." Um, they, they had a little bit of a hard time doing that because you've experienced so much in life that it, it sort of backfired on them because, you know, the, the audience was listening and watching and they were like, you know, they can empathize because everybody goes through trials and errors in life. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't, be, you know, I'm like mortified at the thought of the movie was that bad. I mean, when I when, when the, the King of Kong came out, I saw it at the NZ in theater in Orlando, and I brought some people with me, and I thought I was going to get in for free because I thought it was complimentary passes because I was in the movie. And, like, no one had any idea who the hell I was. And I'm like, geez, I mean, okay, I'm not Bill Mitchell or whatever. But, so I called Ed Cunningham up on the phone and says, dude, you want me to go You want me to go this preview here? And I'm, I'm having to pay $12 a head for I don't know how many people here, you know? <laughs> so throughout the movie, I'm like, liar, liar, you bastard. And I'm like, I'm like totally picking apart the movie because it was totally not what I anticipated. And I was just totally shocked seeing they, it for the first time in the theater. They really clipped and then, things together the way they wanted it to come out, right? Well, I mean, you know, I, I was very bitter about it in the year, early years after it was released. But, you know, you got to go from an entertainment point. You know, I, I say now when I get interviewed by people, uh, if you have nine scripts, one script and nine producers, you're going to get nine different movies. 
Mm-hmm, sure. So it's always how it's interpreted. I mean, you know, you have producers that are producers. They're not gamers, or if they are gamers, why would they make other gamers look bad? Or if they if right. they, if they're not gamers, then try to understand the gaming culture. And they don't. They don't take the time. It's the same thing with the media. When when, when I was growing up, the media would always say, "Oh, well, you know, you're you're a nobody kid spending all your money on video games." But no, I made a living at it. So, you know, every time I would do an interview, they go, well, how many times do you play a day? Four or five hours. Oh, four or five hours. I thought my kids were bad. If you look at those early interviews in Detroit in 1982 and Chicago in 1982, both broadcasters sat there and just totally picked me apart. I'm like, you know, you, I probably make more than you're making, and you're sitting there pointing the finger at me like I'm some kind of stunad, you know? <laughs> Speaking of the, back in the day, in I believe it's in King of Kong, or maybe maybe briefly in King. No, it was Chasing Ghosts. They they show a picture of you um, being interviewed and asking about like what you're going to do in the future as far as like video gaming. And you, you um, you're talking about I think it was active in an Activision event or something. Uh, perhaps I, I, I that must have been the Detroit one, like you said. Um, I don't know. I, I I drew for Dungeons and Dragons in the the, the early mid eighties. Uh, you know, I did some some programming work. I, most of the job that I did for for companies and Activision was the one that led me to working for all these different companies. You know, I, I established a name. I played against celebrities, and I was the hot topic. You know. Companies wanted someone positive. I had a B-plus average in school. I had a job. I went to college. I mean, they wanted, they wanted this whole image to be uh, very crisp and pristine. You know, I mean, if, if you're going to go out and you're representing a company and they're dumping $100,000 into you, you don't want to show up drunk or tired or late to the venue right. or having a whole bunch of the women with you when you're there to be representing a company. And it all sounds glamorous when you have, you know, video gaming babes around you. But when you're talking to a company who's paying your bills, mm-hmm. you know, you got to put that into, you know, in, in equality here. So uh, your world records, you've got a bunch of them. So let's just talk briefly about like, which ones do you, do you hold today? Well, the the most uh, famous one would be the dragster because I've held it the longest. Uh, I've I've established that record and twelve other records uh, before Twin Galaxies' inception. Uh, Twin Galaxies is a company that tracks high scores on every every platform, uh, pinball and, and such like that. And, it, and and I'm thankful for a company like that when Walt, the time that Walter Day has put in. And, and now Jace Hall for all the, the, the forward movement for people like ourselves who, who enjoy gaming and they want to compare themselves and say, Hey, uh, I got this score on such and such game. You know, what, what, how, how do I rank? Who's the best in the world and how can I learn from them to make, you know, your game to kick your game up a notch? Yeah. And we just had Walter on uh, two episodes ago, I think. So that was, that was a um, very fun and interesting experience. So, um, Dragster, uh, Monaco GP, you were one of the first persons to flip that thing, I think, or at least to get recognized well, Max for it. Well, Max flipped 9,999. Yeah. Well, they have a special ROM that enables another digit now that, I, that I'm that i aware of. But uh, unlike Gorf, I held the Gorf record for 26 years till someone beat me on it, and then someone beat that guy. So the, the people in southern Florida have been trying to get me to go against the uh, – Keith, who's the the current world record holder on Gorf, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm gonna say I'm not as eager as and, and hungry as I was 30 years ago. I just think that I held it for 26 years, and I know what's involved to 
hold that record again. I mean, I have to play the game for six hours, squeezing a trigger. Squeeze mm-hmm. a tennis ball for six hours and see how tired your arms are. <laughs> exactly. Congratulations, by the way, on those uh, world records. That's amazing to hold a world record for that long. That's truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, and this is a lot of thing that the media doesn't touch in on is that there's a lot of conditioning and a lot of skill set that's involved with playing video games. It's like any other sport. You know, when I went to um, the AMA, which I'm going to be going to in two weeks, it's an AMA Mid Atlantic. It's an event that's up in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, I was trying to pick games that had to deal with reflexes like Geometry Wars and Robotron, you know, shoot 'em up games. And they, they couldn't accommodate my request. And they brought in a lot of uh, Street Fighter bait. They had tech. They had Kirby versus the world, Street Fighter, whatever Street Fighter was current back then. And um, so basically what they're going to have is me against the public on a, a certain variety of games. And what I picked and what they had was two different things. I, said, I told the, the guy who was running the event, and I mean not the, the, the running the event, but running the, the gaming section of it, I says, you do realize you have a lot of fighting games here. And for me, uh, to be halfway decent, I'd have to play them for a while to get used to the button configuration. Because playing Street Fighter, a Street Fighter series of games, is a whole lot different ball game than playing a Robotron. Right. Yeah. Well, Robotron is that's a brutal game. That game is brutal. I have it. I love it. But there's one thing that we talk about a little bit, and this um, this is a fun question. So, like, Mark. Um, Dan, um, or, or Dan, Dan, and myself, or Dan, Dan, and Dan. I thought we were all Dan's today. And yeah, so we're, you know, we're obviously, uh, into uh, the hobby in a, in a different way. Well, well, we're not, not entirely. We, we like to play the games, but I don't, I don't know. You guys speak up, you know, we, we don't play at the competitive level that you do or Billy does or Steve Sanders or, you know, uh, Steve Wiebe or, you know, Lon no. McDonald, all those guys, right? They're just, it, you, you guys it have. Takes, like, it takes a certain kind of someone to be able to be able to achieve the success that these world record holders have. It's yeah. something that I don't possess. Right. Me neither. But we enjoy uh, creating the environment in which you can play, you know, recreating and, and restoring these games. And a lot of us are, right. you know, in awe of the guys that just come in to, you know, that you don't necessarily collect or whatever. Uh, Tim McVeigh does have a small collection now, um, four games. And he, you know, he picked the games that he really loves. And that's awesome because that's kind of what we talk about here too. But there's a really symbiotic relationship that I've talk, talked about before where we're the guys that, you know, fix the games and bring them back to the way they were and want them to play exactly like they did when they were in the arcades. And oftentimes they play better because they haven't been railed on by somebody for, you know, <laughs> six straight months, you know? So, but then you have someone like yourself who, uh, Todd, when you come in and you, you can actually sit down. And so if you had the opportunity to interface with some of these guys that do these, uh, restorations and see some of their work and play some of the games. Um, yeah, I have. I I have a gorf at my house, and it wasn't in the shape that it was when it was found. Uh, a friend of mine, Scott Stolfin, who also is a gamer, um, had located it up in New York, um, or somebody located it in New York, and he did the restoration on the the the, the gorf that was found. I think it, uh, Darren Olson had found, um, or excuse me, Darren Harris up in New York had found the game, and then uh, I was telling Scott about it since he lived locally. 
he picked it up and said, look, I'll restore, I'll restore your game if I can get some prototype ROMs from you, and that was the exchange, because otherwise it would have cost like $150 for the sanding, the coloring, the bezel art, uh, the side art, and everything to be restored to the way it was. So, yeah, there's a lot of time and um, specifics to details that are put into restoring a game that you would find. You know, you, you see it at a store for fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, and you store it. It's something that's that's well deserved because you look at the the final performance of what it looks like afterwards. Well, and so for instance, like I got a free missile command, and it was shot. Everything was just had everything had to be replaced. So my free missile command ended up being like six hundred and seventy five bucks after I did all the restoration, which included rebuilding the trackball, putting the side art on, a uh, new control panel, reproduction pr- control panel. Um, new glass reproduction from um, this old game, um, and we had you know, and then doing all the painting and the and then getting the boards working and all that kind of stuff, and it's a labor of love. But your game Gorf in a in a restored condition. Why did you um, Why did you go after Gorf? What was that? What was the appeal on that? Uh, you mean are you talking years ago? Or are you no, I mean like you have the now. machine now, right? Yeah, I do. I have yeah. I have that and several it, others. Okay. Oh, what's your other? Oh, tell us about your collection. Several others. Go reactor, on. Super Pac Man, uh, Robotron, <sighs> and reactor. Yeah. Oh, oh, and by the way, I, I had found a, an unusual game. There's a, an arcade location in Tarpon Springs called Replay Museum, and uh, me and Leah had gone in there to to I just check the place out. It was, it's really nice, nice, nicely uh, put for pinball and arcade and tabletops. And we see this game called Triple Punch, and she's playing it. And of course, I was prepping for. At that point, I was I was to go against the world record holder on Gorf, so I wanted to go there and practice. Not that uh, I could have done that at the house, but I realized that the one there and the one at my house both have the both have the hard ROM sets, and the gameplay is entirely different than the easy ROM set. Just to let you know. <laughs> but anyway, after being at this location, I saw this Triple Punch game, and I'm like, man, I never seen this before. So okay, we didn't. I didn't think much of it. I, I know that she she liked the game, and uh, I felt well. You know, if I had a chance to buy one, uh, I, I think I would. So, several months later, we go to the Free Play Florida event in Orlando, and lo and behold, I see the same game again. I'm like, what are the chances of that game being in two different places in such a short period of time? And I've never seen it the entire thirty years of me going to arcades. So yeah. then I walked around the event a couple more times, and before I was going to leave, all of a sudden I noticed there was a for sale sign up on it. Well, guess what? Guess who bought that game? Nice. <laughs> I bought it for for Christmas, but didn't acquire it till like July because there was a, a, an issue with trying to get a hold of the owners and getting back and forth communication was just horribly bad. But uh, I, I realized now I go on the KLOV that there's only there's three board sets and one physical machine, and the picture that's on the Clove site is the very game that I have. Oh, that's awesome. Triple yeah, Punch, yeah. by the way, is like an Amadar knockoff. Correct. And it, but it's like Junior Pack, and that it scrolls left and right. So I researched the game and found out who owned it before me and who owned it before them. And it was John Jamashit out of Colorado, and he's a friend of mine. I asked him questions about. It. I said, "Hey, dude, I got your old game. I got this Triple Punch now in my house. So I, I don't know what the value of it is. Nor I don't really care at this point. I think the value more is." how someone enjoys playing it and how much Absolutely. entertainment they get out of, out of what they got for their present. What do you think? I mean, Dan, you've mentioned this before, right? What's that? That we go after games that we want to play, that we liked as kids. Yeah, I've passed on a lot of rare games. Yeah, but in, in the case of Todd, he's got this 
triple punch and he didn't even know about it. And now it's like one of his favorite games because of the appeal. It has the gameplay appeal. And I totally think that's legit. Like, yeah. Mark, do you have any games in your collection that are, that are games that you wouldn't have originally bought, but then you all of a sudden found out about it late in life? Hmm, let me think about that. I would say Turkey Shoot. I didn't know existed until I was in Princeton, and it was con- I was confronted with that. Cool. I mean, that's a pretty weird, rare game. It is. A lot of people like it, though. I know. I like it. I mean, mine is playable now. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really think. I mean, I have some weird games that I just got. Like I have a a redemption game called Kiro Karopi something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. No, but it sounds fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Oh. <laughs> but I, I was intrigued by it. it. has one control. It has a button on the control panel. That is the only control you have. Weird. That is odd. Well, it is a redemption game, right? Yeah, I mean, it has a little ticket re- redemption thing on the side of it. Okay. You know what I always wanted to get? is the Centaur Pinball Machine. Oh, I've played one of those. Oh my God! I saw one out in L.A. at uh, hell. I don't remember what event it was, but I, I, I go, how much for the game? And the guy wouldn't sell it to me. And he had two of them. One was in pieces, and the other one was on the floor. Yeah, I was just. I, I think my last recollection of playing was was at a Bally's Aladdin's Castle in 1983. You know, ironically, I had uh, when I lived in Chicago, we used to get the tour of the Midway Plant and the the Williams Plant and stuff like that. I mean, oh, I played uh, video games with Steve Kordak when he was alive, and. Uh, so, anyways, I played with the, the, the developer of of the Centaur pinball game machine. So that was really, really awesome. But that that game always stuck with me. I said, well, one of these days when I I get around to finding one, uh, that's that's on my hit list. <laughs> what were some of your go to arcades? That you would hit well, the, the arcade I set my Gorfaro record at is still in existence. It's in Burbank, Illinois. It's called Haunted Trails. You could probably look it up online. Um, they used to have, well, they had a, a restaurant. It was called Ditton Dot. And uh, then it was a Denny's. And then when the Denny's folded, uh, they turned it into their, um, like, you know, ski ball. And they sell, like, like the larger items. And they used to have, like, like, Sort of like the the party where you go there and you buy a pizza or whatever for your birthday or whatever. It was a bigger a bigger building structure that they could have larger games in there as well. They had bumper boats. They had the batting cages as well as the uh, the arcade games. So haunted trails, Burbank, California, or no, it's Burbank, Illinois. Oh, it's Burbank, Illinois. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm checking it out. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm checking it out too. This is really cool. This is weird. Laser frenzy. You must complete a variety of objectives while surrounded by a laser, a web of laser beams that you must carefully navigate. Have you ever done that? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> but no, but they have this big Frankenstein. And so when you walk in, before you walk into the actual arcade location. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's actually okay. on the website. You can see the big giant Frankenstein. Yeah, I wanted to well, make a paper mache, well, a male appendage and like stick it to the thing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, when you're young and stupid, you have a lot of uh, flourishing ideas that flow through your head. <laughs> they have a mini golf like right next to a major major road thoroughfare, and I used to hit the ball extra hard, so like try to go in the into the street and like ping off a car door or something like that. You know. <laughs> so I have um, in my collection 
Um, I'm just going to name off some arcade games that I have, and you can tell me what you if you did or didn't have an ar- a high score on them at one time. So, Monaco GP, I have actually, and I'll, I'll ask you a different question about that. Um, we already heard your answer on that, but um, Missile Command, did you ever hold one for that? No, I have six hundred thousand though, and uh, I'm in nowhere the League of Tony Temple and or the other individual who uh, made high score on it. What about like Popeye? Uh, Popeye's around four hundred thousand uh, was not one of my favorites. That Usually is the a controls hard the game I played uh, were really horrible. Okay, Tempest. Oh, I love Tempest. Uh, and then watching uh, Laszlo Tekas, I think his name is. I forget how to pronounce the last name. Watching him play is like someone playing a piano. I mean, it's just amazingly wonderful how he just pinpoints everything without dying in spaces he's shooting. I mean. Yeah, I love Tempest. So, question for you on Tempest. Records for that game, how are they determined? Because you can keep putting in quarters and and pushing your game score higher by starting at higher bonus I, levels. I think, the, the well, from my recollection for being a referee, is I think you either start at the first level and go work your way up and or start at a predetermined level and work your like way up. Like nine, which is the top one you can start at. Yeah, something like that. Otherwise, you know, you can just keep going and going and going and going there's got to be some kind of cap on it sure well it's like leprechaun when I, I had the record on leprechaun and then realized there were people that would sit there and beat my score up they, they just pawned it on one board so i put a i put a suggestion in we worked with some several other referees and said look this is not a game that's going to be equal i says you're going to have to put a 60 second cap per level because otherwise people will spend a lot more time on certain levels just to rope for points and say oh right. i got you know five six hundred eight hundred thousand or whatever you know defender I hated Defender. I mean, it's a good it's a good game, but I hated the button configuration. Like, oh, yeah. command. Me too. Yep. Hate it, and I and I own it now, which is funny. But I the reason I do is because I and I've told this story a million times, but it's so difficult. And as a kid, I I, I couldn't play it, but now that I can play it for free, essentially, I, I I enjoy playing it once in a while and trying to figure out how I can get better at it. What about Joust? Oh, I love Joust. I love And that's only because I watched other people that were rather proficient at it, so I knew how to do the button flap and the position myself certain places on certain boards. Robotron? I love Joust. I absolutely love Robotron. It's one of my, if not the favorite uh, arcade game other than Gorf. It is so frenetic. It's just an awesome, awesome game. And I... And and, and you said you own a Robotron? I do. Yep, it's a cocktail. Here, here's a suggestion. Well, you have to do this the upright to be to be good at it. Um, is to to play with two players, and not conventionally have, do it two players. You and somebody else controlling the same game at the same time. Meaning, you control the direction of fire while he controls direction of movement. Interesting. You have two brains. Yeah, yeah, absolutely makes the game more fun. Yeah, My wife and I did that with crawl. Did not work out well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could try it. Uh, I just have to move the cocktail away from the wall, and I could get two people on the side of it. I have a Warlords, too, which is fun. You get four people on that thing. But you can't really do any high scores on that. You can't do high scores on Atari football. What do you think of Atari football? Not much. Yeah, not much. Yeah, I, think I, I, I don't play very many sports. And for something that that's like that, I probably didn't play much of. So I, I, I can't really comment negatively or positively about it. Sure. Um, the Warlords, on your hand, I remember uh, <laughs> calling uh, a certain a store in Chicago, and I forget which name of the store it was. It's trivial. But anyways, I remember calling. I recorded myself because I saw the package. I'm like, oh, my God, they got a Warlord. So I'm here. I'm calling up to the store. And this is when, you know, stories weren't really big on video games and i go do you have a copy of warlords and lady's like 
wall units? I'm like, no, a video game <laughs> warlord. You know, like I couldn't believe it. What the hell are we talking about, lady? <laughs> I don't. See, back I in the day, when understand. you understand the name, you look for the color of the box and say, oh, it's a brown box. I don't have it. It's Night Driver. Oh, it's a beige box or whatever. And you freak <laughs> out because they came out with a different color. And you knew immediately you didn't have it. Yeah, that's cool. That's funny. Night Driver does have a brown box. Pack the packs, right? So you have uh, Junior Pack, Pac Man. Miss Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man. Um, obviously, Super Pac-Man is your favorite of those. Um, Absolutely. But and, and mine too, and Mark's too, I think. Um, and just a uh, name drop here, Brad Lutz, uh, out in Osceola, Wisconsin, just finished repair, rest- restoring a Super Pac-Man cocktail, which is the first version I ever played on in a little place called the Taco House in Park Rapids, which hasn't been there in a million years. But um, A little hint, when you get to a million points, it does something very special. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you have to look at the score when you get over a million points. Okay, cool. I haven't, you know, I'm I'm in the high hundreds, close to 200,000, so I'm not like... Anywhere. So you're probably at the Galaxian board. Yeah, it, it gets so hard, and I it's pattern based and you got to but I I need to get my own machine so that I can do that. So out of all the packs besides Super Pac-Man, which um, I love, yes, what would be your your next favorite Pac-Man? Uh either Pac-Man Plus or the one with the the pellets. Uh Oh, Plus is so cool. The one with the the side scrolling screen. Oh yeah, that's Junior. Yeah, yeah, both of the Junior and the Plus, they're they're definitely right up there. Is that the one where the maze is green and then the ghosts it, have little it, like this? The maze disappears and then it comes back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another uh, pack uh, pack game where it has really. I'm mean, that's not it. Pack Plus was uh, as an add on that they added to Pac Man, and they did that to Miss Pac Man as well. There's a Miss Pac Man Plus. What's the Pac Man game where? You, it's, it's got like a girl in it. Is it Miss Pac-Man? Pac-Land? No, not Pac-Land. No, Pac-Land is terrible. Oh, it's such a bad game. Is oh. it the one that's half pinball, half uh, arcade? That's Baby. Oh, okay. That's, hmm. that's Baby Pac-Man. Oh, what is the Someone name? in chat, help him out. Yeah, somebody in. I'm Googling, trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm too. Konnichiwa. Pac-Man. Somebody is going to listen to this episode and be like, well, here's a list of Namco games. I can I can do it that way. And there's here's Pac. Oops, somebody says Pac-Land. That's it. No, that's not it. You like Pac? Uh, who's Bahakamas? Bahakamajamas? Jamas? Baja Kajamas. Bananas, bananas and pajamas. Baja Kajamas. That's an awesome name. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but that's pretty funny. They had Professor Pac-Man. Uh, Pac-Mania was a 3D remake. And then it's not in here. Pac-Man Arcade Party, Pac-Man Battle Royale. After you play this version of Pac-Man, do you wake up in your bedroom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, I'll yeah. think of it. Uh, uh, what are you packing? No. It's pack <laughs> attack, pack land, pack man, pack pack mania. Anyway, yeah. Wah. Wah, wah, wah. Anyway, wah, wah. it'll come to me.
Like, did you ever get a Frogger high score? No, no, nowhere near it. I mean, I watched both Fred Pastor and and uh, Donald Hayes play the the, the Frogger uh, to astronomical past the, the fictitious George Costanza score. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of the New Englander gamers, uh, Sean Cram and Dave Nelson came up with a game called Fast Finger. And what you do is you hit the button for 60 seconds to see how much your 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 total will be at the end of 60 seconds. So I was watching people play, and it looked like, you know, like when a heart monitor, a Richter scale, how it would go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when I played it, uh, it almost looked like a flat line. So my, my consistency is better, but they may have reached higher spike points of the, the, the rapid tap and then less. So it's really weird. I have to show you the picture, the screenshot. There's a guy on Clove who is ridiculous with that. His name is Fly Hector. You guys know him. He was at Grinker's. He can do ridiculous things with like track and field and games like that. Yeah. Speaking of all these different games, you mentioned uh, that we had a soundbite in the beginning of the show where you said you had like 60 consoles. Uh, so you have how many arcade games and how many consoles? Five arcades, 76 gaming systems, and 11,000 games. That's a lot of games. How do you play them all? You know, well, you play them one at a, one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, After 35 years of, of playing, you, you might get near uh, the amount. <laughs> so, all right, tell us, uh, give us an idea of some of your favorite consoles. Well, the Atari, of course, is what I grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, only because the the gaming, even their their primitive state or primitive graphics that they had, a lot of the gaming capability, you had to put a lot of thought into um, the entertainment that they were providing with in, a, in any any given specific game. Like, like a dragster. You know, I heard Jonathan Fatality Wendell, and I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he was like the Doom and Quake um, guy. And he had did an interview and in saying that, well, you know, classic games are for literal or no challenge at all. And I'm like, okay, I know one specifically you can play, and I, I think it'll give you a run for the money. Of course, I said dragster. You hit your stick to the left four or five times and tap a button, and there you go. How much more simplified can you get? Hmm. I, I like the 3DO. Um, I like the Amiga. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I like the Intellivision. My neighbor had an Intellivision system, so we had the Atari. And the Atari was $177. The Intellivision was 256 The uh, Coleco was 318 And the Atari 5200 was $365. So it was like this. Yeah, every time a new system came out, it was like, oh, I got to get it. Oh, I got to get it. The graphics are great. The graphics are incredible. I hated the Atari 5200 controllers because when the ribbon broke underneath the, the game select, you know, that little, little tab thing that goes across that says the little three squares. Trying to take that stick apart and trying to fix the yoke and stuff in, underneath. What a pain in the butt. So do you do repairs yourself too? Well, I had to because you, you know, when, when Decathlon came out, it was known as the joystick breaker. Oh, yeah. So you know, uh, I endorsed a joystick called uh, the TAC-2 by a company called Suncom that was out of yeah. um, Oak Brook. Or, uh, it, was, it was a northern suburb of Chicago. And uh, I had played the Decathlon with the stick, and I called the company up. And I, I think the, the guy, the, the head head person I was speaking with, his name is Marino Seichi at the time. And I go, hey, man. I said, uh, I can't endorse the joystick. He says, oh, well, you're under contract. I says, yeah, but you're, you're billing this as the unbreakable stick, and I broke it. So I brought it into their office, and they had a metal shaft inside of the joystick where the Ataris had a plastic yoke stick, you know? 
And I said, you know, there's a, there's a heating element. When you're flicking a stick back and forth, when you're playing a game like Decathlon, that metal just snaps. I said, I, I, I can't endorse this. He says, you're going to have to because you're under contract. I said, well, then you better, better make a better stick. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, uh, for a while, were you getting to try out a lot of different companies' joysticks and stuff? Or, uh, well, I, I like, for instance, I, I beta-tested Wacko, and that was by Marvin Glass. They were debuting the head of developers at another place in Chicago. And um, they, they recruited me to come in and, and test out the limits of the game wacko i don't know if you're familiar with wacko at all but it's oh, like yeah. a side it's like it's like a video game maker like someone leaned on it that was really heavy and sort of tilted <laughs> um and it had a joystick i think and a trackball both um that's a fun I game i could be wrong it's, it's been such a long time but yeah i went out there and i i ended up playing it for for like six hours and i think they got tired of me playing because the, i already beat the developer's high score on the game and they're like so what do you think it's a fun game <laughs> needless to say they didn't invite me back because uh yeah i guess i was supposed to play it shortly and then give a you know a determination of what it was but i just kept playing because it was fun <laughs> nice <laughs> so um uh Addition to uh, additional consoles, you got 3DO, you got the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. What else did? Which what else game? You know, Odyssey Two or you, anything like that? Or oh my god, I have I have the uh, the uh, the Odyssey. The one looks like a surfboard. It's yellow and has the two little handles on it. That thing was so cumbersome. Um, <laughs> we had a Bentley system, which was like a, an old Pong. Uh, the Telstar one, it was, it was three a triangular shaped. You had the gun holster for the shoot 'em up like Outlaw. You had the dry racing steering wheel. And then you had something, oh, the uh, the Pong. You had the, the little knobs for the Pong. That was fun because you had nothing else to play back then. And as video games progressed, you saw better graphics, better gameplay, better, better you know, uh, thought behind what the game was going to be about. Oh, pack and Pal. Oh, pack and Pal. I, I just remembered it. Pack and Pal. Uh, so it was an ex- exclusive Japanese arcade release in 1983. Um, you can find it on some Namco collections these days. I have it in my um, multi uh, MAME arcade game, but it's so fun. There's like little playing cards that you pick up and eat, and it's got a completely different gameplay than all the other games. But if you like Super Pac-Man, check out Pac and Pal. How many ROMs you got for the main? Oh, I have a very limited set right now. But I also, uh, we we actually, on one of our earlier shows, had a, a guy on that worked on the main project. Um, nice. And uh, continues to contribute once in a while. Oh, very good. And um, so if I, um, I'm sure if I talk nicely, I can maybe get whatever I want. But uh, f- there has been amongst... Intent. Yeah, exactly. Amongst our friends, there is a... He wants the complete collection. I have 6,300, so if he has oh, more nice, than nice. Yeah. I, I think he should donate it to your cause. So you can <laughs> the entire album. Well, I don't think he can legally do that or say he will, but I have friends that have, um, well, let's just say, DVDs full. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nine gig worth. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah. But if you get a chance if, to, to play Pack and Pal, I think you guys would really like all of you. There was an arcade game that I remember years ago, and it's like Jailbreak. It had a weird name like that. You're in a jail yard, and you have these guys with the ball and chain. And I remember you had a this, they used to use Haunted Trails as a testing zone. Every time a new game came out, 
like Star Trek, for example. They had a whole bunch of Star Treks in there. You got T-shirts if you scored past 200,000 points or whatever the scoring point was. And uh, it was really fun because we were in a novel position to where we had a lot of games that you never saw before, like Screw Loose. I mean, you know, I saw that at the uh, the Free Play Florida, and, and I haven't seen that for 30 years. And someone either restored or found, came across a Screw Loose game. If you look up Screw Loose, you'll see what I'm talking about. It looks like a guy with three hands, and he's walking and you have these hands that go in and out, and they, they shoot in a you know uh, a diameter kind of uh, way. But anyways, they had this, and I have no idea what the name of this game is, but all I know is as you either shoot the different uh, uh, prisoners that are walking, a light bulb appears, and it goes around the screen. You have these little light bulbs that light up. So if anybody knows what game that is, I certainly like to have a heads up on what it what it was. I, know, I like games like that though. Like Monaco GP has you know, LED scoring, and then I like Atari's Video Pinball. You know, it's got LEDs on the play field, and it, you know, it, it, you can tilt it. You can actually nudge the ball in that game. Right. Nice. And uh, but you know, I love games like that where they kind of combine physical traits with the video traits. Right. So, oh, no, fun. I don't know about that. It was an actual, sh- like a digital of a light bulb, like like uh, in a graphic. Oh, okay, like okay. Light bulb shape, and then they had the the light bulbs that would like little dots going across, like when you get an extra man in like asteroids or something. Oh. I have no idea what what it is. All I know is you're you're you walk around a prison yard and you either shoot or you you capture these these prisoners and. I don't remember much more about the game, and everything that I've played on MAME has not been the game I'm looking for. <laughs> so um, do you have any advice for aspiring world record holders? Well, I don't know. I would just say stick to the games you're good at. If you play other games, don't get frustrated. If you don't do well at it, play the games that you are good at, and this way you can make the example of showing people the game's limitations. How many times have you reset Monaco GP uh, for people? And do you have any advice for me when I play that game? I have a very hard time, like getting past six thousand points. So, well, there, there's a key a key point of analyzing the game. Once you get to a certain point where the cars are so fast, you want to oscillate. It's better in a sit-down version than a stand-up version of the game. Oh, really? If you have access to a sit-down one, you can position your foot so you can oscillate the gas pedal and go at the same speed as the cars. So when you're uh-huh. going through different, like the narrow, uh, the bridges or whatever, you reduce your chances of them colliding with anything. But when you're just pacing something, you can't get hit by it. Right. Hmm. But you don't, you are you, yeah, you're, as long as you're on the road, you're pointing up. Okay. I, I, I've played, I've played the game both ways. I've played the game full throttle. Yep. I made the, the max score and I've played it in the comfort zone of oscillating gas pedal. So I'm going the exact speed as the cars that are around me. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> the kids will hate wow. me. <laughs> that is the most popular game in my arcade, is uh, Monaco GP. Nice. And so, like I said, once you learn to play it like that, I always tell people, I say, what is the difference how long it takes you to get the score you want to achieve as long as you achieve what you're looking to achieve? Right, right. That's a really good point. I, and it's I always like want so to play. Oh, I can't get it. I can't, I can't do it. No, you can't do it because you're saying you can't do it. You're making a mental block. Mm-hmm. If you if you open your mind and say, okay, I'm going to give it a rest. I'm going to play something else. I'm going to come back to it with a fresh mind, a fresh state. I'll wow. get there. Just determination, progression. You know, just, just be consistent. Let's play the name game. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to name some names, and you can give me a one-sentence response. So, uh, Walter Day. Um, genius. Billy Mitchell. 
Uh, foreboding. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really so good. True. Lon McDonald. Analytical. Oh, that's a good one. Um, how about Steve Sanders? Uh, determined. Todd Rogers. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like foreboding with Billy Mitchell. We, you know, we had a good time with him. And um, expand on Walter Day's genius, will you? I think he had a vision. I think we all had a vision, but I think he was in a better position to um, expound on the vision because he was one older than us and he experienced life a little more than we did. And he seen um, a vision of what he wanted to do and he wanted to share it with many people. Walter's a very giving guy. So mm-hmm. you, you have to share this enthusiasm um, with, with what inspires him. You're on one of his superstars cards, are you not? One. Oh God, I don't know how many. Maybe fifteen or twenty. Oh, I'll trade you one of mine for twenty of yours. Okay, deal. <laughs> I'll send you one. Along hey, with you the- know, one of the cards for the dragster, for instance. He he wanted to he wanted to put me on for the impossible score. Which, if you want to talk about that, I'll elaborate a little bit. Okay, well, well let's do that. Yeah, let's bring that up. Go ahead. But uh, he has me on a card, the number 551 of the card series, and there's three, four different oh. ones. Do you have card number 100 of me where I'm wearing the black cocktail jacket? I'll tell you the story behind it. Oh, no, but do tell. Yeah. Okay. Well, on the back, is it's an error score. I've never gotten 2 million, whatever it is, or 4 million. Whatever score that's on it, it would have taken me about 26 hours to get that score. Um but Walter goes, hey, do you have, I'm going to make a, a, a limousine series uh, uh, set rather than a circus set. Uh, and I don't know what the difference of the sets were, but I guess he wanted one to look more professional than the others. He said, do you have a cocktail jacket? I'm like, uh, not really. As the only thing I have that's re- resembling that would be this corduroy jacket I wore in 1980. He goes, well, as long as it looks good, wear it. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, in 1980, I think I, wore, I, wore, I weighed like 190 pounds. <laughs> I mean, I'm like 270 now, you know, so can you imagine me trying to fit this size 44 jacket, <laughs> a corduroy jacket on what I look like now? It's just like, yeah. So in the picture, I'm telling my son, I'm like, hey, man, come on, come on, hurry. He's like trying to get the lighting right and trying to get trying to get the, the perfect picture. And I'm like, come on. I think I swear to God he did it intentionally. But I'm like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and I'm dying. I'm, I mean, I'm roasting in the thing and I'm trying to hold my breath. So at least I look halfway decent. So when you look at the card and I have that look like. I see it. I really I've got it right breathe. now. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I want to put it in the chat. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. So there, there's another one. There's another 100 card that's not like that one. Um, in 2009, they put us on these posters. Uh, on, on, the, they were prototype cards. They had no back. They were a larger size. They were glossy. And at the um, International Video Gaming Hall of Fame, when I was inducted, people from Ottumwa, Iowa, had to go around and find a set of 30 or 40 cards of the people that were being inducted. <clears throat> so that card there, even though it was a, a initially number eighty-eight, became number one hundred A. So that's there's two eight. number one hundreds in the in the set. Mark, it was supposed to be eighty-eight. Now eleven. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's Dan's talking I'm, to somebody in the I, background. I, I'm on eBay right now. No, I'm not. <laughs> I hear somebody. What is that? Yeah, it's that's me. my computer. It talks to you. It says it's now eleven p.m. Oh yeah. Well. Like sands through the hourglass, 
so are the days of our lives. Maybe we'll uh, talk briefly about a uh, little dragster drama. Okay, so this individual decides to take upon himself to um, make a posting and being analytical about the, the way dragsters coded. A fellow gamer brought it to my attention, and I read his, his post, and then I read everybody else's post thereafter, and I'm like, these people have no conclusion. One, they probably weren't born when I did my score, and two, they've never seen me play live. Three, they're only going with base material from someone who speculates that his code source is punctually perfect. So the so the controversy is you you got a five five one score on Dragster back in the day, and you've held that world record forever. And someone came along and said that it's um, actually not possible because of the way the game is programmed. That's essentially the yeah. Argument. yeah he's, he's running a program. Uh, I don't know if he's running the same program that the the developers did, and he even goes as far as to insult or, or imply, excuse me, that the the developers probably lied. Well, do you know who made Dragster? Oh. Why the hell would he lie? You know. So in 1982, there were several other people that. Um, had some 5.5 scores, and Activision had programmed a perfect run, a simulated perfect run on a computer. I didn't know this, but they called me one time, and they said, hey, we want to know how you shift. And I know this story has been out there, I don't know how many times, but I'll, I'll elaborate here. And Jan Marcello was the lady who called me, and she wanted to know how I shifted. And I thought that was, you know, her tone was not as pleasant and chipper and happy as it normally was. It was more of a solemn, somber kind of serious note. And I'm like, well, I engaged the clutch, revline my engine. It goes to 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 zero. I pop the clutch, uh, and of course, maybe the way I worded it may have sounded like. I, I entirely skip one, but I'm in first gear so quick that you don't even see it. I'm a one, two, three, and I'm in the red line the whole time. The whole key is to keeping your dragster in the red line, not going where it meets the green. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll, by explaining this method of shifting, Jen's like, okay, well, here's the deal. We programmed the computer to a perfect run and you beat it. And we wanted to know how. There was two other people that said they had the same score as you and they shifted identically to the computer and there's no way that they could have beaten the computer shifting the same way. The only difference between you and the computer is you engaged the clutch and gave it fuel. So they invited me to the Consumer Electronics Show in 1982 in Chicago and I was in front of many of the developers and uh, a host of other people that were involved with Activision and several other companies and they pretty much had me play on the spot. So I, I had a, I had to perform or go home with my head between my legs. You know what I'm saying? They would not have <laughs> offered me a position to work for them or no other company would have wanted me to work for them. If I, if I didn't uh, back up what I said. So I did a five, five, one at the June of 1982 consumer electronics show. And 5.51 is 5.51 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Which is this, this individual is claiming that, you can't get below 5.61 and that maybe the Activision people saw a 5.61, not a 5.51. I'm like, you do realize there's increments of 300. So the next step would be 5.57, 5.54, 5.51, and so on. And the theoretical, so, the theoretical uh, argument here is that 5.54 is as good as it can get. So well, the theoretical argument here is he's saying that the best is 5.61. And that now, it, and he, he just made another posting on Twin Galaxies. Uh, commenting about, well, maybe there's a threshold where you can get maybe a little bit 
faster because he put an extra 1.58 something in the track to make it a little longer so you can get a faster run. But I'm like, you know, he can do all the variables testings that he wants. He, that, 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 that computer doesn't play like a human. Sure. Right. I'm glad you still have your record. And regardless, you did that at, a, you know, a public event. Well, I did event. a live events. Yeah. There's no other better um, way of proving yourself but to the developers themselves. Why would One, why would they lie? Because then they would make their company look bad. And two, they would not have offered me a position if I wasn't at such a good caliber of gameplay. So my, my, my logic, you know, because there's many people who want me to sit there and make comments to, this, to, to the post and, and, and the guy. And I'm like, you know, that's just, it's just fueling the fire. You know, uh, if he's fortunate enough to see me play at a live event, great. He'll get to see my glory. If not, he can, he can make quotes and facts all he wants. It doesn't erase the fact that I did it already. And it wasn't on, because I know there was another comment about, oh, well, maybe he used a special joystick, or maybe he cheated, or maybe he used a different ROM, or maybe he used a different gaming system. Well, the original one I played on my original Atari with my original joystick. And the second one I played on was on their Atari. And the third one I played on was one on their Atari, because it was at the Electronic Thing Show in Detroit. Sure. Well, that's yeah, and then if you look at the interview that that's done in 1982, if you if you queue up Todd Rogers WS TV Channel Seven Chicago, you'll hear the 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 broadcaster guy go, and he even carries his own special joysticks that he uses for tournament play. It's not a special joystick. <laughs> yeah, I I brought my joystick, my <laughs> joystick because it's it's the it's the original Atari, and I don't know if you're how familiar you are with the Atari joysticks, but the original Atari joysticks had springs on the inside. And after mass producing the Ataris, it was it was rather expensive. So they cheapened the quality of the joystick and put plastic inserts, like a plastic divots that would feel the contacts on the inside. Hmm. So you can tell the difference between when you use when you use a uh, a newer Atari joystick, newer meaning 1980 version, it made like a little clicking noise. It's very very stiff and rigid. It was perfect for a game like skiing. Oh, where skiing. the loose one, you had a lot of mobility, was better for shifting and dragster. I love skiing was a fun game. I, that's funny. You brought that up. Oh, I, so yeah. anyways, back to, back to the thing where he says he always carries his own special joystick. It's not a special joystick. It's not a modified joystick. It's just an early version of the Atari joystick that, that was, that had a lot more play to the movement. Sure. Okay. Are you working on doing that again or what, what's your plan for that? Well, I, you know, and I toiled with the idea of, you know, me, you know, who, who I don't, I have nothing to prove. It's not like I have a whole bevy of sponsors lining up to employ me for work <laughs> to play video games. So he can, he can tout all he wants. He can have his little minions behind him believing in his facts or whatever. I don't care. You know, and I'm not losing any money off of it, whatever. Oh, the only thing is, is that the media look at it and the media is stupid. And they'll say, oh, well, this must not be. It must be. He must be lying about something. There's a, <laughs> there's a number of articles out there of people who, who try to pick apart different things that I did. And it's just I find it very, very humorous that someone's going to devote their life to trying to besmirch somebody when I've already accomplished it. How can you take that away? It's like saying I didn't see Mark Spitz swim in, in, in the Olympics. He just wasn't there, but you know he was. Yeah, petty. I don't or like the Phelps, pettiness. Whoever, whoever the whoever the current guy is now, I don't know who the hell Phelps is. You know. I didn't get to ask Todd about his reptile and, collection. Oh, reptile, arachnid. 
Arachnid. Oh, Arachnid. Sorry, sorry. Well, go ahead. <laughs> what movie did you watch? Did you sleep through uh, Chasing Ghosts? I knew there was an R. You watched Reptilicus. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, and another humorous thing is when they came out to the house, I'm like, you have these multiple changing of the shirts. Uh, we had blew a circuit breaker or something in the house. First of all, my dad did not want anybody filming in the house because he was, he was his health wasn't all that great. But I, I impressed upon him the importance of the documentary, not knowing how it would turn out. Sure. Um, but yeah, they're in there, and in, 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 I'm trying to, uh, to, you know, narrow down because he said we got to get the spiders on film. We got to we got to show the spiders. And I'm like, it's 96 degrees in the house. Yeah. There's like there's like the light, the boom person with the, the the microphone, the person with the light, the person with the camera. You have me and two other people, and I'm like, I mean, the room's like a 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 room, and you have like like seven people in here. This is crazy. It smells like a gymnasium. <laughs> but in, in the documentary, I'm trying to breed uh, a pair. Uh, and the one, you know, my son's like, do you realize what you just did? And usually I'm very, very careful of putting tarantulas together because they're very flighty. Uh, they can bite at any given time if they if feel threatened. Sure. And the one that was in the fish tank was 10 and a half inches. So, you know, my hand is eight. So it would, it would just deem my hand as being a smaller spider and trying to bite it. <laughs> but it didn't thank god it didn't happen like that but yeah yeah i i at any given point at one time i had four up to four thousand tarantulas in the house Ugh, that's so, a lot and, and what about now um not so much i i i'm like i said i'm just in a transition of thinking of what i want to do you know to have fun again mm-hmm. uh, raising tarantulas for a, a a professional level or a business level you, there's a lot of dedication that goes into it you got to do head counts every morning and every evening to make sure there's no escapees make sure <laughs> <in the water laughs> <bed. Jeez. laughs> my my mom you know, you're going through three thousand tickets you know in in a, in a day or two days wow. you know, yeah <laughs> yeah and they they totally depicted that whole thing in a much different light you know there was no professionalism behind what they were trying to depict it uh, there was a girl that was on like a youtube and i think her name was shawty or something like that but anyways he was she's like flaming uh you know like worshiping leo daniels out in wilmington uh i mean he's no he's a really good gamer he's very very he's an old school gamer he plays asteroid but anyway she's like oh he's a you know all these women are on him he has a casino and then there's todd rogers you know he's he sleeps on the floor and spiders walking around the house oh no you know lives with his parents i'm like do you realize that I moved in with my parents to take care of them, and I didn't sleep on a bed because of choice. It was my own. And I don't have tarantulas walking around the house <laughs> because you have to have permits for that. Why would I sacrifice losing my permit over being so careless and benign? Yeah. So you have people like this that they'll watch something, they'll interpret it a certain way, and they blow everything out of proportion to make it sound so much more grim than it really is. <laughs> nice. well, you're not nearly that grim. Todd, do you have a website or anything where people can get a hold of you? Nah, just my Facebook at this point. Having a website was was too hard to maintain because I I go to so many. I was going well. Hell, in two thousand eight, I was in fourteen cities in two weeks. Uh, it, it got really hard to maintain because I liked posting. Uh, the interactivity of the event, the pictures of the people I met, the games that I played, and the experience I've made. It, um, but it just got so hard to maintain. And I just put them up on Facebook now. And uh, if you want to follow what I'm doing, usually I make a posting a week or, or, or two weeks before the actual event. And um, uh, you can meet me up at one of those events and uh, watch me play. We do have one question from the audience. Do you still do you have any memorabilia from back in the day, like T-shirts and the stuff that's in your interviews and stuff? 
You know, it's really funny. You should ask me that. Uh, I have the original T-shirt when I was with the U.S. National Video Game Team. I have the T-shirt from Atlantis 2 contest, the, the Defend Atlantis. I have the, the Defend Atlantis 2 cartridge, so I have the cartridge and the T-shirt. I have the Pitfall uh, jacket with the uh, the Pitfall pouch. Um, I have most every magazine that I was in, as well as the ones that were uh, new, current, back from 1980 to 1985. Oh, you want to hear an interesting story before we go? So, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. Yes, no, we do. I, I was playing the, the, the very same joystick that I made the original 551 on. Uh, I was using to play Dragster, and I used, I used to play Decathlon, and I broke the shaft of the stick. Well, my brother was very ingenious about repairing things. So what he did was is he took a, a half of a bolt and filed the end off and put a stereo knob on it. So the actual shaft of the joystick is like maybe three inches. So, okay, what I did was I painted my joystick the Ghostbusters color. I painted it gray with a red circle around it. Many years went by, and I moved down to Florida, and I let one of my friends borrow my Atari with a lot of the games and the joysticks that came along with it. And I completely forgot about it. I just I didn't hang out with the guy anymore. And uh, one day I'm at the flea market, and I come across this booth, and I see that joystick. I'm like, Holy shit, that's my joystick. Oh, my God. And this guy's looking at me like I'm on crack. I go, da-da, dude, that's my joystick. That is my joystick. And, you know, and, and again, the guy's, like, looking, going, well, it could be your joystick if you want to pay, you know, like, it's like $8 or $10. But I'm thinking, oh, my. I mean, what are the chances of that? You know, you're, you lose this iconic joystick that, that made history. Yeah. Of the 551, the first 551. And, um. Yeah, and I see it at a flea market, and there it is. And I said, I couldn't wait. I couldn't. I couldn't get the money out of my wallet, my Nada wallet, quick enough to uh, to purchase the joystick. That's that's a good story. That's a great Absolutely. story. Nice capper. Yeah, that's a good capper. I think we should dance. Maybe close out. Let's start that music where we dance and take our pants off. Well, it's been it's been awesome. Uh, again, this is this is Arcade Radio Double R's. This has been a special episode with Todd Rogers. Tune in every other Thursday, normally, on um, YouTube, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And until next time, um, this is where we dance. Yeah. I'm dancing right now. This is where I'm going to, yeah. I got it out. Pants are down. Dan must have had to go to bed. He's <laughs> floppy bird. Dan is like clockwork. <laughs> he is. I guarantee you, Dan is upstairs on the first floor. Going, it's, it's over. <laughs> I, he always jumps off really early. He doesn't even stay for the after show. There's uh, no kissing. No, it's terrible. Blame it on the weather. It's Minnesota. <laughs> it's been or, or say Minnesota. <laughs> it's been very hot up here lately. Very hot. <laughs> We're off there. And thanks again for being on the show because it's been yes, a, a pleasure.
So, All right. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, if you have any more questions, uh, feel free to drop me a line or questions from your audience if they have. Uh, yeah. We didn't take any audience questions. That's strange. Did anybody have any questions? They were before? just enthralled. I did ask a little bit earlier. I go to the shopping block. <laughs> no, no, no. There's uh, they they uh they're saying well done, guys. Um. So um. Well, guys, do you have any parting words for Mr. Todd Rogers? Oh, it's just been a pleasure to uh, interview you, sir. So thank you much sir, for being on the show. All right, well, thank you for having me. And uh, I'll do that plug for you right at the end of the show. <laughs> we, nice. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show. We we got your name from Tim, and we had a little help from one of your other friends to get connected up. So I really appreciate you agreeing to do the show, and I hope that we can have you on again in the near future. We should, yeah, we should definitely do that, especially if we ha- have you again on for like the Todd Zilla, the sequel, then we'll, yeah, we'll the sequel. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right, dude. We'll talk to you later. All right. Be safe. Cheers. Have fun. Yeah, you later. too. Night.